Welcome back to another episode of Useless Degrees. I'm your host, Anthony Rastigue, and now that we're friends, you may call me Tony. Today, my guest is Sarah Graysdorf. Sarah graduated from Boston University with a degree in computer science and went on to become the CEO and founder of Holdet, a business that designs professional workwear with real pockets for women entering the workforce. Today, we're going to talk about the contrast of her degree and her current job as a business owner, her advice for young entrepreneurs when it comes to problem solving, and of course, her college experience. Now let's get started. All right. Thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So let's get started by hearing a little bit about your business, Whole Debt. Why don't you give us a rundown on the services that it provides? Totally. So at Whole Debt, it's our mission to support women from the moment they get dressed. So we do that in two ways. The first is through our apparel. So we're really trying to be the next generation of women's workwear, reinventing what getting dressed for work can look like, specifically for Gen Z women, and creating apparel that is directly meeting the problems that they have. We're starting by primarily solving the lack of pockets in women's clothing, but you know there's a lot more to it, and we're excited to explore that space as we grow. And then the second way is through our membership community called Back Pocket um, because we're equipping women with resources that they'll always have in their back pocket. And through that, we host workshops, pay our women one-on-one with mentors. We host coffee chats. We have a book club and a podcast club, really trying to do as much as we can to help ease the transition into adulthood. That is so amazing to hear and such a unique idea and something that really solves a great amount of problems for women on the go. So how has someone not thought of something like this and gone about manufacturing this workwear on such a large scale? Yeah, so the lack of pockets specifically is basically a 400-year-long history going back to the time when women would wear little purses on the hemlines of their pockets, which on the hemlines of their skirts, which eventually is what we now have pockets today. I think that the reason that it hasn't really been solved is because a lot of the brands that young women are purchasing from are being inspired by more high-end fashion companies who at the same time are trying to sell purses. So it's kind of a conspiracy that we wouldn't have any uh, pockets because they're trying to sell as purses. And I think simultaneously, there's just not really been a history of giving giving women pockets. And so I think of a lot of designers, because they're not used to doing that or or have not. And I think there's also this misconception that if you're going to add pockets to clothing, that it's going to drastically change the shape and the style of the piece. But we found that there's really ways to kind of alleviate that by positioning the pockets in a certain way so that you don't have added bulk, because obviously style is super important it as well. So we think this is a a really special time to go about solving this problem that really hasn't been tackled otherwise. And how did this idea come to you? Like, where did it come from if no other main designer brands are working on something like this? Yeah, well, I I can share how I had the idea, although I'll say I, I know I'm not the first woman to realize she didn't have any pockets, but it was my senior year of high school, and I was taking a shower, because that's where I have all my best ideas, and I was like, how come whenever I leave my house, I have to carry my phone and my keys and my wallet and my hands are um, in a purse, and none of my male friends ever have to do that, and I realized it was all because they always had pockets, and I never did, so that's really how it started, and when I got to college in the fall, I started talking to all my female friends about it and they were like yes I experience this problem every single day I think it's widely talked about but just has yet to be tackled and do you think that bigger designer brands are going to start working on this anytime soon like is there a major push for pockets for women I think it's 
heavily talked about and you know obviously some women's clothing has pockets that's why whenever uh I think a woman wears a dress and someone compliments on her on it the first thing she says is oh thanks it has pockets but I think what comes down to making what we're doing special is that we're not just adding pockets to clothing we're really trying to reinvent what workwear can look like for Gen Z women and building a community around what we're doing for us the obviously the clothes are important but I almost wouldn't even call hold that a clothing company I would say that we're a company that makes clothes but for us the mission is is so much more than that it's really to support this transition into the workforce starting with apparel but expanding from there so our company is I think our differentiator and the pockets are what draws people in and that is very smart that you're really creating a community by having more media to share with everybody else and all of your customers and so I do want to talk about how you mentioned that this idea really came to you before college and then once you got to college you were studying computer science and while doing so within your last year you spent all that time learning about the fashion business supply chain and design so I'm thinking how are you able to take such a great amount of knowledge in an industry that's different than what you were studying at the time it was incredibly difficult and I often find myself choosing the most difficult path for basically no reason except that it's you know what interests me most at the time when I originally started working on the idea we were just aggregating clothes with pockets into a newsletter and then onto a website so at that time I was using my computer science background a little bit more but ultimately decided to end up launching my own line and then it was just a matter of okay in the same way that maybe I want to go build an app or a website at a hackathon or for school um, and I need to start at the ideation stage and then figure out how to get things in place to execute it. You know, I just applied the same set of skills and and processes to launching a clothing line. So started to get the help that I needed, did a lot of Googling, still do almost every day to figure out what comes next. And the whole thing has been an incredible learning experience, definitely different than what I'm doing in school, but brings me just so much incredible joy that every time I, you know, during, during school when it was my side project, like that the time that I was getting to spend on it was it was definitely my favorite time of the day. And so what did you originally go for? And what were you intending for when you first got onto that college campus and wanted to study computer science? What were your goals following graduation in terms of that field in particular? Yeah, it's so fun to look back and think about Sarah freshman year and and what all of her dreams and aspirations were. So I first fell in love with computer science in eighth grade. I had an alum from my school come back and talk about her job at Google. I fell in love with what she was talking about, this idea that we could solve problems at, you know, this mass scale. And in some ways, I think that's what I've ended up doing. But at the time, it was in a very technical context. So fell in love with computer science, went to hackathons, took a few programming classes in high school, knew I wanted to study in college. I think when I got to college, my grand plan was to study computer science and then graduate and become a software engineer. And then at some point transition to be a product manager, then rise up the ranks. And then eventually my grand plan was really to become the CEO of Google. If you had asked anybody that knew me, I'd say later stages of high school, early college, they probably could have told you that I was very vocal with my plan, you know, manifest it. Obviously, that's not where I'm going today. No longer, and it's no longer, you know, a goal of mine. But definitely, that was the plan starting with software engineering and, and growing from there. And what drew you to computer science? Because you did mention that you had big aspirations to work for Google. Was it about the culture? Was it about just their vision on everything? What really drew you to that field? Yeah, I think throughout 
all of high school, I had this idea that one day I could build a piece of technology or a website or an app or something. And, and I could walk into a Starbucks and see someone having their laptop open and utilizing something that I built. And it was this idea that I could make people's lives a little bit easier, a little bit better with the help of technology. I think obviously the company culture, you know, in eighth grade, I was 13. So the idea of riding a razor scooter around and eating froyo all day, like seemed really awesome. But I think what the reason I stuck with it is because I knew the capability that technology had, um, even, you know, back then. And I still very much believe in it. I mean, we're super tech enabled, but I ended up, you know, discovering once I got to college that coding every day probably wasn't for me as much as I loved the idea of utilizing technology. I will say a little part of my Google dream did come true in my senior year of high school. Um, after APs, everyone at my school went and did a senior project. So we got to spend like three weeks working um, on anything we wanted. And so that same alum that had come and, and talked in eighth grade, I went and worked with her at Google in New York for three weeks. So I got to ride my Razor scooter around and eat the Froyo every day. It probably ended up being enough for me. And so what would you say some of the parallels between computer science and fashion, particularly the business that you work on today? What are some of the parallels between the two? Definitely the problem solving. I Well, I might not be coding every day. I think the amount of time, energy, and dedication that it took to solve the probably 100 problem sets that I worked on during my time in college, at least, it's really hard to like do that. And you have to work with friends to be able to get all the work done in the amount of time that you have. And you learn how to, to work with others and to solve really challenging problems. And so as a founder, as a business owner, that's all I do, right? Because fundamentally, I'm pulling together pieces, whether it's the manufacturing and, and the supplies that we're using and then our customers and how we're reaching them it's all something that hasn't happened before and so we're having to create something from the ground up and I think that's what it felt like to do computer like do like code things as well when I would work on projects or go to hackathons or whatever is like we're trying to invent something from the ground up except it's now instead of coding now I'm you know working with fabric and thread and whatever so I think there's a lot of parallels it's really all just about building and creating the medium is just different well, that's great to hear that it's all working out in your favor. And so let's actually talk about Backpocket, which is a networking community that you created along with Whole Debt. Why don't you give us a rundown on that and how it correlates to your business? Sure. So we launched Backpocket in April 2019, really as COVID was taking over in the United States. And at a time when women and people in general were otherwise being sent home from college and, and told to socially distance from one another, we were being separated and we thought, well, how can we pull people together in a time like this and, and kind of flip that on its head, obviously virtually not in person, but that's kind of what got us launching it. And I, it's pivoted a lot since, since even April and we're, you know, we're here in November, but we ended up opening the community up a large part of it to the public in August when we started doing monthly career focused public workshops. And so our community right now is at uh, just over 400 members. And so what we found from, I would say like a brand value value perspective is that customers are discovering us in a lot of different ways that extend beyond just our apparel. And so we're able to get the word out there about what we're doing in more ways than just trying to sell somebody, you know, a blazer or a pair of pants. From a like revenue generating perspective, the more contact that we have with our customers, the more likely it is that when they do need to purchase workwear, they'll end up purchasing it from us. I think there's also, you know, potential ways down the future if we do like, you know, mini virtual conferences or we do other kinds of things to, to be able to increase our revenue 
revenue through the community that we have. I can share that um, of our original pre-sale orders of our suit, that 30% of them came from people who were already engaged in our community. So for us, having a community is not like a nice to have. It's, it's, I mean, it is, it is nice to have, but it's also really driving our sales. And so well, in a time where paid ads and, and marketing um, on Facebook and Instagram has become extremely crowded, especially in the direct-to-consumer space, building out this organic marketing channel, which costs us relatively little, but has a big payoff has been incredibly worth it for us. And I think it's amazing that Whole Debt is really committed to serving their community and bringing people together, as you mentioned earlier. So what is your advice to people that are just getting started when it comes to their own business, whether it may be a blog or even a brick and mortar store? How would they go about maintaining that relationship with the community that they established? Yeah, I would say start small and and be super intentional about who it is that you're trying to reach. Your customer is not everybody or who would fill your community. It can't be anybody, right? Because you're only able to offer so many products with so much value. And so I would try to narrow in on who it is that you're trying to serve. So for us, we're trying to specifically serve women who are in college or have just graduated. So we say roughly 18 to 24 years old in the continental and I guess Hawaii, Alaska, United States. We're starting primarily there, although I know we have a few international members as well. Um, And we're specifically focused on the pain points that come from transitioning to adulthood, especially as you graduate from college. To be honest, for for people that might be wanting to start a business, I think there's this phrase, which is often like, why are you the most qualified person to start this business? And I think that as like a youngish person, you can be like, well, maybe I'm not the most qualified person to start this business. But What I've really started to understand is like falling directly into my target market. I graduated college in 2020. I'm exactly the person that I'm trying to serve allows me to best get into her head and understand what she's going through because I'm going through it on a day-to-day basis. And so I can serve her in the best way possible. So I guess my additional advice is like, where do you have a competitive advantage? Because maybe you are your customer or you have direct connection to your customer and you're able to serve them in a really unique way that will allow you to differentiate yourself in the market. Do you anticipate your business having Razor scooters and Froyo? <laughs> Maybe someday. I have this really like grand idea for, it's not really so much a retail location as much as I would just call it like a physical manifestation of what we're doing, but I have this like grand idea that people will be like shopping and then they'll stop by our store. It doesn't really look like a store. It's like full of couches and there's like always fresh baked cookies and you come in, it's kind of like a break from the rest of your shopping. You're like, yeah, low key, we're trying to sell you clothes, but mostly you're just there to like vibe and like network with the other people at the store. And then in the back, we have co-working space for other women who are getting their ideas off the ground who can then use our customers to like get feedback and it's this whole like ecosystem so big visions maybe there'll be a razor scooter there if not cookies for you for sure so it seemed you definitely took some notes from the google experience that you went on right yeah absolutely i think you know it's so interesting to even think about that and you know their offices are obviously incredible but i also think about the ways in which gen z and and this next generation is like experiencing retail and is experiencing shopping at a time when so much shopping is done online we also know that that younger people and i always feel like an old person when i say young people but even though i am young people we also know that young people really crave experiences that's why they go shop in in store before the experience of it not because they obviously get the same thing online. So I think when I think about the experience that I want to create for my customers, I think of a space where we can gather and and hang out and and not feel the pressures of some of what it, you know, means to, to have to be an adult. A little break. 
Well, that particular atmosphere definitely sounds like it's on the path towards success. So I really commend you for that. And your business was initially funded through a crowdfunding platform called iFundWomen. So talk to me about your perspective with the crowdfunding approach. Should more small businesses go down that path? Or what do you think they should consider beforehand? Absolutely. I think crowdfunding is a really great option for people who wouldn't otherwise be able to go out and raise a friends and family, traditional friends and family round. And I definitely like heard about friends and family for a long time. Just like, oh, I could go raise a friends and family round. I could ask my parents for, you know, a couple hundred dollars or I could ask, you know, my grandparents for a couple hundred dollars. But when, when people say friends and family round, they really, that has to be from an accredited investor. Typically, and an accredited investor is, is one who is making actively over $200,000 per year or has a $1 million net worth. At 21 years old, I just don't really know anybody like that. Crowdfunding was like the next best option. And so I kind of call it our like mini friends and family round because the people I was raising money from are my friends and my family. Just They just happen to not be accredited investors. So I think if you're looking for initial capital up front and you might not have that personal network, it's definitely the best way to go. I think crowdfunding is also awesome as a marketing tool if you execute very well. So because we were, we were raising $25,000, ended up raising $28,000. But to do to make that happen, we probably reached out as a team to over 700 people. And we had ended up having 300 donors to our campaign. So that was 700 people who were being reminded that hold that exists. And so we should stay on their radar. Also, whenever somebody donated, they got a graphic to share from us about making their donation and, and encouraging others to do it. So it was really we were able to have this kind of ripple effect as we were getting more people to donate, then they pulled in other people. And so it ended up being a whole kind of community effort and we were able to get press because of it. So I think it ended up working out really well for us. What I will say is I know some people try to launch crowdfunding campaigns in like two weeks. Um, we, we ran ours for six weeks from May to June and started preparing in January. So definitely worth putting in the time and energy to execute at a really high level. But for people who need capital up front to get their project off the ground, I definitely recommend crowdfunding. Yeah, it seems like that method really starts to lay the foundation for the community that you're striving for as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. We found that our community members who had gotten plugged in in April were super active in helping us spread the word when it came to our launch of the crowdfunding campaign in May. And then through that crowdfunding campaign, we were able to bring more people into the community. So they definitely worked together to, to help us grow on both fronts. That's amazing to hear. So when you were really starting to get the ball rolling in your business, were you met with support from friends and family immediately? Or was there a bit of confusion due to your drastically different area of study? I think the decision to launch a clothing line was so gradual that no one really ended up being that confused. So like I said, we, we started with a newsletter and then we started with a website. Obviously, even like far more technical solutions than we end up having today. And so it really, I was working on Hold Up for like 18 months before I decided to launch a clothing line. And so I think when we decided to do it, it just kind of seemed like the next best step for us. And so I think people were excited about what, you know, what was coming next. This idea that we were able to build a product that we could hold in our hands was exciting. People now, I would say, uh, when I say that I'm running Hold Ed and they're like, wait, didn't you study computer science? You're like, is there a tie-in for those two? And then I talk about the problem solving and how maybe it's not actually that different. And yes, at the end of the day, no, they're not the same thing. But I, I don't really also think that there's anything else I would have rather studied. So then do you think your degree really held up? I think 
the knowledge that I can work hard and make something happen and like go and get a degree in computer science if I really willing to like put my mind to it. I think that gives me confidence in my ability to go and do other hard things. I think that if I had, you know, maybe picked a quote unquote easier major that I might not have that same confidence in, in myself. And so, yeah, I mean, if I think back to um, my freshman year if there's the only other thing I could think of potentially studying was business but I've been so lucky through everything I've done I've been through two accelerators and business plan competitions I mean I've learned so much about business through them and through just honestly the day-to-day of it all having to negotiate with manufacturers and you know other partners that I think having this technical background has ended up being like the right choice. It's funny you mentioned that, and I think that is that is a really great perspective there. And I was interviewing somebody on the podcast that mentioned a college degree is proof that you started something and then you finished it. You invested quite a bit of time and quite a bit of money, and you were able to earn it and cross that finish line. So I think that it's almost like the computer science degree is just the cherry on top when it comes to your business. It goes to show that you are committed to something and that you're willing to go above and beyond your job description and do all that you can to really maintain that community that you yeah I think so and I think you know if not for other people then just for myself to be able to say that I did that you know I was lucky enough enough to go and get a college degree I there definitely were times where I was like oh I need to just drop out so I can work on my business and ultimately I did end up deciding to graduate a year early so maybe missed a year of college to make it happen but I I definitely feel that for sure being able to say you know look I decided I was going to do something I put my mind to it I executed and let me show you how I can do that with my business too is often a conversation with investors and mentors. Now, do you think that if you would have just taken this vision and idea and just ran with it right after you graduated high school without having any sort of interest in attending Boston at all, do you think you would be where you're at today? Oh, absolutely not. I definitely can credit so much of the success and, and support that I've gotten to BU. We have an initiative and, and community at Boston University called Innovate at BU, and, and they were so tremendously helpful. They, that was the first accelerator that I went through was at BU. And through my time in Boston, even, the number of people that I was able to meet and connect with and you know fellow founders and mentors, um, I think college is a really special time where you, you wrote yourself a lot. I feel like that's so cliche, but like it's, it's like it's true, right? I think people say that for a reason. So I grew a lot. I think my capability to be a leader and a manager grew a lot. I, I ran a hackathon. I managed a team of like 40 in college. And so it's not the same thing as, you know, managing a team of three. Now it's the stakes are honestly so much higher, even though I'm managing a tenth of the people. So it's it's not the same, but I started to lay the foundation for the skills I would end up applying when I went to do my business. And, you know, when I graduated, like relatively, I look back, I, I knew nothing. So um, I definitely am grateful for my time in college, if maybe the degree doesn't align with what I'm doing now. Well, it's wonderful that it was able to hold up and really give you quite the opportunity to learn. And like I mentioned earlier, go above and beyond what you set out for. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, I am so grateful for the experiences that I had in college and and also for where I've landed and and getting to work on Hold Ed. Absolutely nothing about it has been easy, but that's, you know, you end up learning and whether I'm learning through my business or I was learning through school, it's all been a joy. What about graduating a year early? I know that a few people here and there tend to do that, but do you think that another year might have given you a bigger chance at establishing a more broad network? Or do you think that three years was enough for you and you were just ready to get right to work? 
Yeah, I think three years ended up being the right amount for me. You know, I actually count myself lucky. I did have to leave college in March because of COVID and and so never really got to walk, which is kind of ironic. But now that I'm, you know, out, I have friends who are still in college who are are saying, you know, you're lucky you got out. So in the grand scheme of things, I think it kind of worked out because, you know, I might have been at home anyway, but having to take classes. I think I'm just learning so much on the ground running whole debt that, you know, there's maybe classes where I could have learned how to do it in hypothetical situations. And so I'm just learning how to do it in actual situations right now. But, you know, I was able to finish my computer science degree and I got a minor in entrepreneurship. So I think I really got the base knowledge that I needed. And now I'm just applying what I've learned and trying to pick up the rest. Well, it's great that everything just kind of fell into place for you and it's working very well so far. And I'm excited to see what whole debt will do in the future. So let's actually talk and switch gears a little bit and talk about the role of women in the workplace. So you clearly have your mindset on improving the look, the feel, the mindset of really fulfilling a woman's effectiveness in her work. Yeah, absolutely. I think all of what we're doing definitely points back to that. And, you know, there's a lot of external factors, I would say, happening beyond, you know, a woman walking into the workplace, the patriarchy, the sexism, the misogyny, like whatever's happening. But I think a lot of it, too, is like the imposter syndrome that women have showing up to a workplace, believing that they don't actually belong to be there. And so I think what we're trying to tackle more than any of the other issues is just that empowerment that you've worked so hard and you deserve to be where you are today. And, you know, let's make sure you show up presenting that way because you do and you know let's make sure you dress really well and um, have the tools that you need and the best we can help you get them and, and equip you with them as you start work then you know awesome but we're not the ones having to walk into work and so I think the most we can do to to support our community as they start their first jobs is like a joy for us and we've seen you know members get jobs through our community and, and support their friends that they've made through the community as, they, as they've got new jobs and just seeing the way that they're able to start off on the right foot, I think is is all we're really trying to do. And I really like what you're doing with these products too. I was actually interviewing another person on the podcast. His episode is already out and he was a fashion merchandising major and he was talking about his overall vision of fashion, mentioning that you will look and feel amazing when you really dress in the sense that you know what you're doing and you know what you're setting out for. So with these women wearing these suits, it's only amplifying their feeling and their excitement with the fact that they have pockets, which I just find fascinating. Yeah, we, I, you know, sometimes say, like, if I can give a woman a place to carry her phone, and that's like one less thing she needs to worry about, then how where can she dedicate that brain space to making the world a slightly better place? You know, it's kind of a butterfly flaps its wings situation. And we see the, you know, the ripple effect from that. It's maybe a little bit far fetched, but it's the kind of thing that keeps me motivated and working on what we're doing is, you know, we don't know what the impact's going to be. And that's been proven over and over again, we, you know, have a mentor and a mentee, not through our program and our mentee just got a job at the place where her mentor works so um, you know that's that's the kind of thing that you like get excited about happening and then it actually does and it you know makes you want to keep doing these things so yes absolutely about how you dress absolutely about the confidence I think you can have the confidence and the wardrobe just helps you show that off to other people I agree 110 percent so then what's your advice to women that are conflicted on entering a more male-dominated workplace or even being their own boss? I think 
those are two super different things, but overlap by the sense that you're probably going to be underestimated. I've definitely seen that to be the case. I think especially building a product as a woman for women, people probably don't take my idea as seriously, even though, you know, women are making the bulk of purchasing decisions, especially in the United States. I think it just has to come down to believing that you're meant to be the place that you are and that you've ended up there because you worked really hard to be there. And whether you're entering a job or you're trying to be your own boss, you have to believe that in yourself first before anyone else is going to believe it. So stick with it and and hope for the best. And it's probably going to be really hard either way. So decide, you know, where your values lie when it comes to, you know, getting your own thing off the ground, you're going to work with others, but trust your gut and, and lean into it. Now, you mentioned values, and I think that is a very solid and important thing to have within your goals and everything that you're setting out for. So why don't we dig a little deep into your mind and get your values? What is it that you're setting out for and what do you believe in when it comes to hold that? Yeah, I think what I believe in for Holdetta, what I believe in for myself for a little bit different, you know, I think one of the reasons I love being an entrepreneur is because I get to work for myself and I get to set the vision and and I really do value that. And, and also this idea that I can partner with others to go further and we can, you know, accomplish a lot together. I value teamwork. I value dedication. But I think for Holdetta, our values are around trying to create a community of women who support one another at the forefront and you know any ripple effects that come out of that are a bonus but we live in a time especially right now during covid where people are basically at home probably not seeing each other that much with you know good reason and and so i think what we're trying to do is is say when we're at home and we're by ourselves how can we you know create more friendships create more sparks between people because that's ultimately like where what we're hoping to do and at the end of the day i think where our value as a company lies and also where our values lie is is in building more female friendships. You know, we often say we're stronger together. So the, the more we can create that, the better. And, you know, I often have said that my superpower is connecting women. And so I get to do that every single day through Back Pocket. And so it's definitely a, an alignment of my values and my abilities is in what we're doing right now. So then in terms of anticipating potential problems, in particular with COVID and offices being closed, do you sense that there might be a halt when it comes to sales with women's working wear? I can see how that'd be a super reasonable assumption and you're definitely not the first person to ask that. So here's kind of our plan for tackling that. Our two pieces that we're launching with are a blazer and pants. They're sold separately, but you could also buy both, obviously. So we don't anticipate blazer sales necessarily being a problem because of Zoom interviews and other professional events that are happening over Zoom. There's, you know, plenty of people who are, you know, even in government jobs or consulting or finance who are still getting dressed very nicely every single day. And so whether you fall into that category or you fall into the category of you occasionally need something nice to wear, we don't anticipate that being too big of a problem. As far as the pant sales, we did an Instagram poll the other week and found that like 40% of people are still getting like actively dressed every morning. And so I think that includes pants. The pants are pants. They're work pants, but they're pants at the end of the day and uh, they're comfortable and they happen to have functional pockets. So we are definitely marketing towards the people who are still actively getting dressed and we believe that there's a fair number of them out there. That being said, we're only doing a production run to start of 180 suits and 50 of them are already sold. So it's not like we're trying to move mountains to get our suits sold out to start. But we're definitely thinking when it comes to future designs about how to make clothes that are best for working from home and also working from the office. Um, we're definitely taking that into account as we grow. 
And that is something that's been on my mind for a while because I like the idea of just looking great and feeling great while working in the office, but many offices out there are closed and don't really plan on opening for quite some time. So it is that halt that has me worried about people and their professional look overall. And you can certainly dress for success when it comes to the things that you mentioned earlier, like networking purposes through Zoom or any just professional event for that matter. I am just waiting for offices to open up because I think that it really is that confidence that is brought about in people when they look good in the environment that they spend so much time. Yes. In in high school, I had to wear a uniform, but on Fridays, we could wear whatever we wanted, and most people would show up to school in a sweatpant, in sweatpants and a sweatshirt and sneakers, and I can guarantee you almost every Friday, I was showing up with work pants and a blazer and booties, and I would clack my shoes down the hall, and people thought I was a teacher, but I called it Fancy Friday because I definitely felt my best when I looked my best, and that definitely applied my entire way through college. When I put energy into what I was wearing, I felt a million times better when I walked out the door, so definitely understand what you're saying and I think that's a, a common feeling that you know if we can help you feel that that way then you know amazing let's let's make it happen fancy Fridays I really like that I've actually never heard that before yeah well no, you can say that I coined it <laughs> perfect so then to close out the podcast what is your advice for college students when it comes to their conflict when choosing a path and eventually a career what do you think they need to evaluate within themselves before focusing heavily on something that they are very passionate about you probably chose to study something in college, hopefully because you liked it. When you are thinking about what your career is going to be, you need to decide if what you studied is the thing that you like the most, or if there's something else that you've discovered over the last couple years that you like more. The joy of being a recent grad is that you probably could get a job for a year or two and switch to something else if you don't like it. So I would decide what brings you the most joy right now. Hopefully you can pay your bills and go for it. I think, you know, I was lucky I was able to come back and, and live at home when I graduated, mostly due to the pandemic. My grand plan was to move to New York, but I, I was fortunate enough to do this. But I also think this is like the, like, if you're thinking about going out and doing something yourself, something entrepreneurial, that this is like, when you've just graduated, it's like the best time to go and do it. It's not like you have a job that you have to like work alongside doing it and not like have to, you know, quit your job or anything like that. You know, it's this really, really special time. And so if that's something that you're considering, like I personally would say, go for it. And if you're otherwise just like, oh, I studied marketing, but now I want to code or oh, I studied coding and I want to go into business. Honestly, you could probably teach yourself whatever it is that you need to know. Plenty of people don't go to college anyway. So figure out what it is that you love and what's going to bring you joy. Because at the end of the day, the only person you really need to make happy is yourself. Well, I really love to hear it. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Sarah. I had an amazing time. So where can people go to check out more about you and your work? Yes. So I am uh, very active on LinkedIn. So feel free to shoot me a message there. Also on Instagram. And if you want to learn more about Holdet, that's H-O-L-D-E-T-T-E.com is our website. We're also Holdet on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and we have a uh, budding TikTok presence. So feel free to check us out in any of those places. Sounds great. And everybody that is listening, please make sure that you tune into everything that Sarah mentioned earlier. Be sure to check out all of her work because it is fantastic. I'm loving the community that she's building and I'm loving the overall look of everything. Sarah, thanks again so much for your time. I really appreciate how you're able to give us all the inside advice and good luck with everything in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is great.
My guest today was Sarah Graysdorf. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Be sure to follow Useless Degrees on Instagram. That is useless.degrees. Follow us on Twitter at uselessdegrees underscore. And go like our Facebook page, Useless Degrees Podcast. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And I look forward to entertaining you all on the next episode.